peeps and peepettes, welcome to the So Damn Productive podcast. I'm your host, Arman Kendri, and on this show, dude, we talk to some of the most productive folk in India and ask them how the f*** they do it. One of those productive people is Vebhav Sasinthi. This guy knows his marketing shit, and 400,000 people follow him across several channels for those very marketing thoughts. And on this conversation, we spoke all things side hustling. Vebhav has always been a side hustler, so we talked about everything from how to manage your schedule between work, life, and your side hustle, how to recover from the eventual and inevitable burnout, and lastly, we cover how to start a f***ing business, dude. And stay right through to the end because Vebhav actually tells us his secrets for building a personal brand. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Vebhav Sisinthi. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, sorry to make you run around me for a while now, but it's just been tough days for me, but I'm so glad I could finally make it and very excited about this one. Yeah, dude, it's awesome to have you, man. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off camera, off recording. I, for the listeners of this show, we're kind of going to be talking about side hustling and starting your own thing, starting your own agency. And Vibub's a self-proclaimed side hustler for the longest time. So we're going to get into... All of that. So I wanted to start off with getting into an agency, man. Um, you know, y- your career story is super interesting. The fact that you started off, you know, being an entrepreneur at a very young age, doing your own thing, then joining organizations, and again, doing your own thing right now. And the question starts with, when you were 18 or 19 and starting your first agency, right? And I know you started a website before that, but specifically with the agency, I wonder for a lot of people who have skills and want to get started, what skill level do you feel that you have to be at something before you get going? Do you feel like you need to learn a lot before you get started or you feel like you should learn on the job? So here's the thing, right? Uh, things that were there back in the day is very different to what it is today, right? I, I started up like seven years back, dude. Like seven years back, my competition was not other startups, right? Even, I mean, even it's a digital media agencies, if I talk about other digital media agencies, these were, you know, like, they were run, they were run like house businesses, right? Uh, it's a small agency with 10 employees making like, uh, you know, like five, six lakhs uh, profits or 10 lakh profit per month. And these were not cutthroat in terms of great design, great value to money or websites just in itself or marketing, digital marketing just in itself was not considered to be something that is absolutely essential. Cut to today, the things have changed completely, right? Today, most of these agencies are run by people who know their shit. They're really good at what they do. The number of design agencies and development agencies that have come up is absolutely brutal. The space is absolutely brutal right now, right? And when you go back and and you're a 19-year-old trying to figure out, it's going to be really hard to get in, right? And there could be two potential problems that you'd feel, that you'd face if you're trying to build an agency when you're 18, 19. Unless you're a geek and you've been building websites or doing stuff since 12 years, and that's very much possible because I've seen a lot of kids being 10 times smarter than what I am today, right? And who are 18, 19 year olds, and it's absolutely possible. But for the other 99.5% of the people, right? It is extremely difficult because you'll end up compromising too much on quality. You'll end up overworking yourself and stuff like that, which probably is not worth the experience that you could go through, right? The much better things that you could potentially do 
as a startup today, if you're a 19 year old, you could start like a small product. If you have the capabilities of building a website, right? Build a resource website, build a small e-commerce, niche e-commerce and then run some level of ads. Start writing a blog, which could gain some level of traction. These are much better ideas to kickstart with than building, than trying to build an agency when you're 19. Because listen, when it comes to websites and things like that, uh, it might be something uh, that you could do, but the competition is brutal. But when it comes to stuff like, you know, going into software development, uh, going into digital marketing, that needs a different set of expertise today. And no matter how much of marketing that you've done in the past or how much of ads that you've run in the past, the requirements are always going to go on top of you, right? And you'll end up not being able to deliver the work that you would want to, right? So the best way of going, if you really want to start something, go ahead and build a product and try to market it and learn in the course of that, rather than trying to build an agency. But if you're one of those people, you're 19, 20, doesn't matter what, how old you are, but you know for a fact that people love you, right? Like the work that you do, your clients love it, that makes a lot of sense for you to pivot that into an agency. Two, uh, even if you don't have the skill set, if you're a great salesman, which I was back in the day, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I could sell. I was not a great developer. I couldn't write code for shit. I had some level of design sense, but I, what I was best at was to identify great talent, which are overseas, like people from Vietnam, people from African countries, people from Indonesia. I started working with those people for a very low prices and they are very, very cutthroat, right? Like in terms of uh, how much they charge. And I was selling to well-off clients, And what I was acting, how I was acting in the middle was more of a a project manager who was making sure the quality of work that was going to the client was top notch because I was benchmarking against the best agencies that were out there then, right? If you can play that game and you're really good at it, then your age doesn't matter because in the end you're selling and you have great people in the back to work. But if you're trying to do stuff by yourself, your skill set has to be on a different level or else you're going to struggle. Yeah, man, I, I think that's that's really interesting. And, and this outsourcing thing is kind of new to me. I've actually started outsourcing a lot of our work for, that we get. And it's incredible the amount of efficiency that goes up, man, because you're not doing all the little details. Somebody who's actually better than you can do it. So like going sure. you know, for listeners, going to places like Upwork, you know, freelance.com, all this kind of stuff is such a good tool to use. But I got to ask you, man, you said I was a good salesman. I want to know what, 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 how, how does selling work, man? What, what worked for you as a 19 year old or even at now, whenever you're selling anything, right? What are the tactics of a good salesman? So back in the day, right? Uh, when it comes to selling, it was all about being able to draw the big picture in front of the client, right? That's Mm -hmm. essentially what you have to do. Uh, so when it, when it comes to when it comes to benchmarking, they always used to benchmark us against other you know software development web design companies, right? And the portfolio that we had was like ten times better than any agencies out there because again, right? We are not a local agency hiring local talent to get some kind of website up and running, right? Mm-hmm. So that gave us a big uh, you know like how do I put it uh, a big advantage over other people, and I could potentially say that hey, you know what? The agency charges you ten thousand, but this is the product that you'll get right? But we are not them. We only work with the top one person, making it sound like we're super exclusive. We pick our own clients, right? Positioning of what you're trying to do, right? And backing it up with some amazing work. Now, a lot of people say that Webhub, we're just getting started. How do we have work? We don't have work. How do we go about it, right? In, in such cases, again, I'll go back to the same point, build your own products, build your own website, build fictitious websites of companies or brands which doesn't exist, 
right? All the all the client cares about is they go to the website and they see if the website is up and running. That's all they care about, right? right? And you're not doing anything wrong because you have done that website, and the client is buying you in for the work that you have done, and that is your work. And this was our first ten projects because initially it was painful, dude. Because I mean, it's super sad, right? Like uh, locally, there were brands which are selling a website for like ten thousand bucks, which is like one fifty dollars, right? And we didn't want to do that shitty work, right? So we had to like uh, make a client pay us like fifty grand, not like like. You you get my point, right? Six hundred to thousand to fifteen hundred dollars to start with, mm-hmm. and for that to happen, we need to show them the level, the degree of difference, right? Where they say they see, see most of these people have the money, they don't want to put the money because they don't think this is important. Mm-hmm. It's the same way, right? When you go to a store, uh, you have the money, you look at really nice shoes, and you have the money, but you don't buy it because you're like, ah, it's okay, but it's not great. But when you see a shoe which is like amazing and you have gone to buy a shoe any which ways right you're okay to crank up your budget by 50% just to make sure you get that air jordans instead of some plain nike because you love those shoes and that is all about positioning right and on top of that we were ta- we were able to talk about how much conversions had improved for people just because of a good website because it builds trust it builds credibility right we literally told them why did you reach us out instead of the five other agencies while we clearly said that we are four times more expensive the reason is you looked at our website you looked at our work it works and it has a massive impact and you know that so these were the kind of tactics you know like that we were selling and we were never pushy i was never pushy saying hey do you want it do you want it no follow up calls nothing i mean we would do one follow up call but we were all about hey you guys let me know we'll let you know if we can work with you that was the tone that we flipped around we made it sound like it's a big deal to work with us because we are only picking up five projects in a quarter right and when that is the case i have only one slot open so you let me know if you're interested and i might be out of slots and there were times when we would write all our clients who didn't convert an email saying that sorry we have been getting a lot of leads for websites if you are looking for one we are not ready for one yet but what you could potentially do is we'll be open in 3 months so you could pay x amount of money and book your slot while there was no <laughs> uh you know demand deficit that we had on the other end we just tried to create that exclusivity and fomo to make sure that people feel oh man if i have to work with them i have to wait for 3 months then people would pick up a call web up i really need you guys can you do it right now i was like sure but we'll do it at a premium of 30% and be like please do it and that used to work as well uh, right so Shit. I yeah. love that idea dude like instilling fomo is is you know i've heard you talk about this in the past it's so much of marketing you know people have to feel like they need you and they want you and yeah. this idea of setting up websites as well even if it's of a fictitious brand that's super cool and and that's something that nobody does and if you're getting into the marketing world as well i think you'll find that there are a fuck ton of different websites out there that are still awful like you can just reach out to the you know it's it's crazy to me when i see some websites that are like it's 2021 what are you doing dude you can just reach out to them and be like look this is how i would redesign your website what do you think you know and i think the the step of going one step beyond what other competition would do and creating a personalized email and putting work into it yeah it takes more time but you'll get more out of it and you know what i find really interesting throughout all of this is that you know you were side hustling you were doing college and you were running these projects and outsourcing and all this kind of stuff so Let's talk a little bit about side hustling, man, because it's tiring. It's, you know, you have to plan out your schedule perfectly. You have to be productive as hell. What did your days look like then when you were working all of this at one time? 
Yeah, it was nuts, right? Like it was, it was just nuts because I mean, I would, I would be up at like, I mean, I would be up till like four, five, six in the morning, right? And I'd pass out. I'd definitely not go to college for the first half. I'd hit the college uh, once I wake up for lunch so that I can have lunch with the team or lunch with my friends. And then after that, I don't go to classes anymore. I'm sitting in the sack, right? Science activity center and on work. So for me, college, I mean, that's, I, I've been very, uh, how do I put it? I've been very lucky that way because I was not forced to go to classes while my college was one of those colleges which would force you to have X amount of attendance. But the way I hustled around it was startups were not big, at least student startups. People have not heard of student startups and that too, successful startups which are making money. They haven't right. heard of it back in the day, right. at least. Now it is more common, but then it was not, right? So there would be press reaching us out left, right and center. And in every press article that might come in, I would say thank you to my college for letting me do this. They are the best, <laughs> you know. And every time there's a news article like this, I would take a, you know, take a cutout and send it to my principal saying, hey, I mean, thank you so much, guys. Like, thank you for allowing me to do this. So it had come to a state where let's say a teacher is kind of complaining. I'm with my HOD and principal. They would take me to the office because they have to, right? And uh, the principal will be like, you know what? Let me talk to him. You, you leave. They will ask the teacher to leave. And once the teacher leaves, so sit down, Webber. How is your business going? How is everything? Are, are, you, are you able to make some progress? Let us know if you need any help and don't worry about all these things. Just make sure you don't flunk out in your exams. Which I was, I managed to, you know, stay afloat because education was not really difficult. Uh, so all I had to do was attend basic 15% of, uh, I had to attend all the labs and just do all the assignments, which I was probably outsourcing most of them. Uh, and <laughs> I did uh, the same thing. Just make yeah. it to just make it to exams and for exams, you have to dedicate like a couple of weeks before the exam, right? Like that's pretty much it. And I used to pace out my projects accordingly. So yeah, I mean, that's essentially how I was side hustling with my college. Damn man, like, and I, again, that those stories of hustle and negotiation can apply to literally anything, Anyone. any aspects, right? Yeah. Like, so if you're in a job right now, dude, you can negotiate with your boss and say, hey, dude, between, you know, 7 and 9 p.m., don't call me. Like, that is my time, and that's your time for your your startup. And it's, it's this shit that, you know, most of us, we don't have the balls to end up going and do. But you got to do it because, you know, you're not going to find time elsewhere. And, and I want to ask, man, you know, now you're starting up, and we'll get into that later in the episode. But... You know, in, in terms of productivity and how to get yourself, you know, doing the most per hour, what would you go back and tell yourself to improve? Like now, if I could go back and tell myself, like, you know, these are the things to do to make sure that you're focused on task and getting shit done. You know, that would be super useful for me. What would you go back and tell yourself to get more done? So I think uh, one is that you have to, uh, you know, however, bucket times. Like, for example, like Calendly is used for me for every freaking thing out there, right? Like, if I have my gym, it's scheduled, right? Like, if I'm going out for dinner, that's scheduled, that's accounted for. Like, anything and everything, everything is scheduled so that I don't miss out on things. In spite of doing all this stuff, I still am not able to make it to 30% of the things. But again, mm -hmm. right, in the end, you have to prioritize stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. when you're running a startup, there's so many ad hoc stuff that comes up, which you haven't accounted for. Right. right. So that's pretty much, I think, to be very frank, right, based on what I had done back in the day, I would not say I was very unproductive even back in the day because I had that focus when I sit on something, 
I block out that, block out those couple of hours and distractions back in the day were not so big as either, right? We just had Facebook. That was the highest amount of distraction was back in the mm-hmm. day, right? So distractions were not too high. So I was able to manage pretty well. Uh, on top of that, we had some, you know, like Kanban, like, you know, physical Kanban boards, which had like, right. these are the things that I need to tick off uh, right now. Today, it has moved on to a Google Sheet uh, or stuff like that, right? Like, or a, or a to-do list and stuff like that. But back in the day, it was all offline and you could see that, oh, I have to get done with all this work, right? Even today, I don't know if you could see this, but there's a whiteboard right here. Uh, I don't right. know if you can see it, but uh, the I whiteboard can. kind of captures a lot of things like goals and what are the big things that I want to achieve and what are the dates, uh, stuff like that, which kind of keeps me on the hook. But I'm not over uh, organized, to be very frank. I'm just the level of organized, which which makes me uh, do things the way I want, right? I know a lot of people who are extremely well organized, right? I'm not that. I've tried doing that. I realize that's not me, right? Maybe I have to, I have to later on, but for now, I've been like, let us chill out. Yeah, I, f- I feel you, man. And you know, this this thing on, on calendaring your life, you know, when you sent me the Calendly invite for this, I, I looked at it, I was like, shit, this is a cool idea. But you know, when I found that whenever I calendar out my life, right, the, the biggest issue is, like you said, when I miss something, right, I, I feel like shit. Like when I'm crossing it, I'm like, fuck, like I didn't do that. Like, for example, you know, let's say I, I had a late evening the, the last evening and I wanted to, you know, wake up early the next day and get shit done. When I sleep in and then I realize, oh shit, I didn't do the gym at this time. I didn't do the work at this time. I didn't blah, blah, blah. Everything gets pushed, right? How do you, how do you deal with that, man? For you, does it not matter? You're just like, this is part of it? Or what's your mindset going into that? So my mindset is in the end, uh, I prioritize things, right? In the end, it's about getting shit done, right? Mm-hmm. There barely any the barely any times when there's stuff and I push them out. I usually don't. I try to get done with them unless like, it's since the last three, four months, uh, this has been happening a lot because of so many ad hoc things that keeps coming up. I was sick for a while. If you're sick, if you're not well, or like I have to take my dog to the vet, stuff like that comes up, then these are like unavoidable, right? right. But for example, today, I had a very long day yesterday, right? I have, I've had like a very busy day since the morning. Like I woke up at 11, I usually wake up at one, right? But I woke up at 11, I've had like a packed day throughout. For a point of time, I thought, can I push this? Because I am not feeling myself, right? I'm right. not on full on energy. And then I realized, yeah, if I push this out, I potentially could, right? If I say that, hey man, can we push this to the weekend or whatever? I potentially could. But then I realized if I push this, so many things have to be pushed beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. So I try to get them done like 99% of the times, unless it's unavoidable. Right. right, unless unavoidable, I usually don't push them. But hey, listen, there are times when it's okay to push, when it's okay to say no. And in the end, you again come back to the same level of priority, right? Let's say I wanted to, I don't know, go to the mall. And can that? Can I cut that down? I probably will, right? Like today or uh, whatever, like whatever things that you can think that you can cut them off to make some more space for the stuff that has been pending, you just, you just portion it like it's very very hard hoc like i said right i'm not super duper organized like i know people who are organized to the needle point right like they're crazy like in terms of 15 minutes of yoga i do it from this to this and nothing in the world can stop me from doing that yoga I was like nah not for me dude that's not for me either man for me you know you, you were saying you know I, I didn't feel like you know maybe i wouldn't feel myself to go into this meeting that's how i've kind of thought about 
my scheduling and my calendaring, right? Like, I, you know, in, in terms of starting my day, I don't start my day until I feel like fucking good to, to you know, I want to feel like I want to go to work, right? Or else I'm not going to be creative. And, and that's where the, the question of rest and taking time off and, and doing all that kind of stuff comes in, man. What do you think about, like, you know, how, how do you prioritize rest? How do you prioritize recovery? Or is that even an option for you right now since you're starting up? I'm glad you added the final point, right? Is that even an option? Right now, it isn't, right? Because, dude, like, last one year has been messy for not just me, for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Being at home with covid a lot of people might perceive it to be rest. You're chilling. It is not. It is more demanding than anything else because you're not even getting a chance to meet people. You're not socializing. Right? You're not going out for the drink that you used to do back in the day. You're not catching up with friends as often as you should. You're not going out, traveling back home and getting that off time. Forget about even the trips that you would want to do because I love traveling. right? And I would like to have a couple of trips every freaking year. right? And a couple of trips is not too much to ask when you're working really hard. Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you just you could just couldn't do all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the last one, if I think about it, right, there were days when I'm like, you know, like, fuck this shit, man. Like I need to take two days off and I do that. Like I do nothing mm-hmm. in those two days, clear everything off. Like I'm just lying on that couch, checking out Netflix. And that's yes. that is something that I do. But that is not recovery because the moment you're back, you're still feeling that you know, that weight on you. You need to get out. You need to go for that trip for the recovery to happen. And that's not been an option. Even if you can take the time out, that's not been an option these days, right? So yeah, right now it has been pushing, pushing, pushing uh, to the limit. As long as you're not breaking, I think uh, it's fine. And also because when you're starting up, you don't really have an option, right? And trust me, every single day, at least three times I think about, why the fuck am I even doing this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I could just be, I mean, I could just be making really good money working on a job, which I was when I was in my last job. I was making really good money, right? Mm-hmm. I could just go back to that and it's so much peace, right? It's so much mm-hmm. peace. Once you're done at 6 p.m., nothing can actually make you go back to it, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the level of ownership that a startup takes is nuts, Right. And that's what keeps you awake. Like as simple as let's say my ads are not performing well since the last three days. Right. With a company, you're like, ads are not performing. CPMs are high. That's about it. You're done. You can't do much about it. But when it's your company, the money is going off your account. Right. So you got to do something about it. I mean, not that you wouldn't do anything then, but you are, even if you can't do anything about it, that is eating up your mind spacing. What should I do? What should I do? What can I do? Can I try this? Can I try that? right? Most of the times it doesn't work, but you're helpless and it's eating up your mind space. So even when, you know, you have that recovery time, let's say after like three calls, I'm sitting on the couch and turning on the TV to watch something. The screen is on, but I'm thinking something else, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever I feel this, I'm like, again, goes back to the same point. Why the fuck am I even doing this? Right? (laughs) But then again, next day you wake up with someone writing me an email saying, Webhav, thank you so much. You changed things for me the motivation kicks back in. And this happens on an everyday basis, like a cycle, right? Something turns me down and something turns me up again. And turns things that turn me up as an educator is more around, you know, outcomes that my students have been able to get, right? But everybody has their own level of motivation, right? Let's say you are running an agency, your client coming up and saying, hey, thank you so much. We raised a million dollars. Thanks to the work. That will keep you up. That'll get, get your adrenaline rushed again. Like that'll, that'll, that'll make you push 
and work harder again right like everybody has their own things and it's all about balancing that so yeah i mean as long as a negative and a positive is kind of balancing things out you're good and if you're more positives you're always ahead of the negatives and that has been the case so far that's why i've been able to push myself and mm-hmm. also right on top of that i think uh, teams play a very very important role okay so a lot of credit for all the work that goes behind goes back to the team so i've realized this over time that hey you can't do everything by yourself you need teams which could pull off things for yourself uh, for even when you're not around right and i've been very very lucky to be able to build a very small young but a kick ass team who are pure play hustlers right they ping me at 3 in the night saying webo can you jump on a call we have some ideas you would like to share i'm like dude it's 3 am i just took a break i was like webo 5 minutes is all it takes i was like sure man i mean when your team is working probably equally or more harder than you then you are also motivated right and they are seriously concerned saying shit is going down webo we need to get them back on track i was like okay let's get back and let's get things done so Dude, that that's also awesome. is very very important when you're trying to build something all by yourself these are the things that keep you strong right your team and the kind of outcomes that you're able to derive from the product that you've built yeah for sure man and you know i i wanted to just just hop back to what you said about the netflix point you know i i often find myself when i'm you know reaching a burnout right and i think it's it's common for a lot of people we head for netflix and we head for our phone all day and we just chill we eat a fuck ton and we just lay back right But the same thing happens to me man it's like a hangover you feel the next day because your eyes have been strained so much by looking at a damn screen for 24 hours and you re- you wonder why you didn't get good sleep right so for me it's been trying to find out how do i actually you know find hobbies within my little area that will actually give me you know some respite instead of looking at a screen and uh you know that that's a huge challenge for a lot of people but i encourage it you know go to the gym do something like that so i think uh, it has become increasingly difficult to turn off your brain yeah i'll tell you what i'm i mean i'll tell you what i mean by that even if you're watching netflix you're always on lookout to see if there's a notification on slack right you're always thinking about damn how do i fix this you are watching netflix but you're not actively watching you're passively consuming right there are very few things that could you know like cut down all the noise for me right that i've identified for example if i'm watching a game of cricket i'm watching i'm doing nothing else my brain i especially if it's towards the end the last 10 overs last 15 overs i'm watching the game right nothing else works for example if i'm like like i've started this new thing of boxing when i'm boxing right when i'm when my coach is here and i'm trying to hit the hell out of the thing then my mind is not working on anything except for how can i hit this damn thing harder right how can i fix my postures when i'm working out again i can't think of anything else right because that's how your body works or sometimes when i'm playing a game of fifa on my xbox right there are few things that you have to identify for yourself on what works great there are few people that i could talk to right which could potentially turn off everything else because you know i'm just like when i speak with my grandmom i'm not thinking about a lot about my work right because i'm just t- trying to understand what she's up to so you have to find your things which could turn off your other side of the brain and that is when the real rest comes in right like the real rest happens then i agree with you man so and taking uh, a day off is not going to help turning your brain down is what will help is what i feel i i completely agree and and you know i i think about this a lot recently it's like 
life just feels like a game of energy, man. Like, how do we control and make sure that we're getting more positive energy than, you know, the negative of work and stuff like that? And the big thing, I don't know if this happens to you, man, but you referenced it kind of, but the big thing is feeling fucking guilty if you're not working and you're watching a Netflix <laughs> show, right? Like, you deserve to watch that Netflix show. How do you, you know, what, what thoughts go into your mind when, when that happens? So that happens way too often for me, right? And I think it's good guilty. There's nothing wrong with that. And I speci- I specifically feel guilty because I feel, hey, my team is working and I am watching Netflix. I'm not doing right. I'm, I'm not doing... There's something wrong with this, right? And uh, when it comes to something like that, I think it's a good reminder for you to get back to work and it kicks you back and motivates you back, right? But there are also times when you're taking a day off, right? I'm like, fuck, man, like... I've took the day off right now. I'm doing shit. And tomorrow I have so many other problems to solve. How do I go about it? That guilty is still going to be there. That's exactly why you have to turn off your brain. See, that is exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly why your brain is consumed by your thoughts. Even if you think that you're resting, right? That's exactly why you need to turn your brain and you have to figure out ways to do that. Right. I've tried so many things, dude. Music doesn't work for me. I can't listen to podcasts because the moment somebody says something and I think about a problem that I have yeah. and I'm, <laughs> yeah. the podcast is running in the background, but I'm thinking on something on a completely different lines. I thought dog walking will allow me to do that. But when I'm walking my dog, it's the other way around because I don't have my mobile phone around. I'm thinking more about business than anything else when I'm walking my dog. So it's really, really difficult to find those things. And cricket matches don't happen every day. Right. Right. Uh, And at least exciting matches don't happen every day. Right. So it's really difficult to find those things. But I think I'm finding one at a time. But one thing that kind of gives me this is traveling with my friends. Because when I'm traveling with my friends, I'm like, fuck this world. I don't care whatever breaks, wherever. Right. As long as you know for a fact that there's a team that can manage Mm -hmm. stuff, you're confident and you can take that off. You know, you can take that time off. And it's just, it's just so important, you know, every book that you read of, of, you know, productivity and all this kind of stuff, it's always telling you, you need that recovery. You need to recharge or else you're going to be at 40% all day. And, and I really like what you said, like, just keep testing the things that work for you to give you more energy and let you zone out. Because I completely agree. That's the only way that you can really, really relax. Now, yeah. I wanted again, hop back, sorry, in this podcast, we go all over the place. I want to go into priorities, bro, because, you know, you you said that, that interested me. How do you think about your priorities? How many priorities do you set for a given moment? How do you set goals? What what does that look like for you? I mean, when I I talk about priorities, right, like um, I kind of usually list down the kind of things that I have to do. And based on the impact that each one of them have and importance of time, that is, are they time sensitive? Are they not? I kind of start prioritizing things. Very, very basic, no matrices, no random shit, right? You know you have to do 10 things. You know what are the top five things that you have to do, which needs to be attended right now, and I just get them done. And okay. and when, when you do this priority, right, you realize you don't really have to do all the 10 things. When the, you, you only have to get to the first five things because the other five things could be delegated. And delegation becomes extremely important skill. Right. Delegation is what, uh, you know, breaks people as founders specifically is what I feel, because as especially for first time founders and people have not led teams who are young. Right. Back in the day, I used to struggle to delegate because even when a freelancer working, I'm looking at a screen. Right. I'm literally sitting and looking at a screen to make sure that is not doing something wrong. 
right and that is not uh, that is you being a very bad delegator right because you can't take uh, your mind off something that you have already delegated or sometimes you feel man i could probably do this better so i should do this and when it comes to stuff like that you're probably better at everything you cannot do everything all by yourself because that's your feeling right you have to train people and you have to allow them to take over stuff so today 95% of the things that we do right now are done by other people so if i don't exist for the next 2 months my business will still run at at least 75% to 80% mark right i'm also trying to fix that 20% part so that it can run without me being there and that can only happen with good team and delegation yeah man and, and you know like see i i face that problem right now like when whenever we get in new projects the issue for me is that i like you said i have to do everything because i'm working with freelancers to get shit done but I'm working with them to get all the low value stuff done and then all the high value stuff gets put on me or my co-founder and that becomes really difficult for us because again trusting is is the hard part like what what was your process of actually training people like do you let them watch you while you're doing work how does it look yeah that's pretty much it right like uh, allow them to watch or i sit and spend time to train those people up whenever they are stuck i hop on i'm available for them whenever they are stuck right uh, and i try to document a lot of it so every training that's happening let's say i'm teaching you something it's always recorded on loom video right mm. so that he can always go back to it that kind of solves most of the problems but again right one of the biggest problems that i see with delegation is people will make mistakes no matter what you delegate no matter how well you delegate no matter how kick ass the person is he's going to make mistakes and if the person makes a mistake and you get furious at him that's it it's game over right you have to allow him to make mistakes and you have to mm. be okay with those mistakes those mistakes will cost you money will cost you time will cost you ruckus in terms of on a client end but you need to allow them to make mistakes because if they don't make those mistakes then they will never learn and they'll always be underconfident about themselves right so every time i see like especially when new people come in i work with a lot of young guys right when they f- screw up as simple as sending like a wrong link on an email the email goes out to like 100000 people wrong link on an email is a blunder you yeah. guess what people make them i have made them back in the day as well you have you cannot be like are you fucking crazy how could you like how could you not recheck but instead the way i go about it is hey you know what you fucked up great right now we're at 100000 i i want to make sure that you don't fuck up when we are at 1 million <laughs> right so now that he has made that mistake he's going to be super cautious next time mm-hmm. right but the moment you like scare him off by being really blunt and it might be a big deal for you right but for them they're already scared mm-hmm. right so in that case you're like hey you know what it's fine it's okay send out one more email tell them that you're sorry right and it's okay you can make mistakes there's no problem with it so he's more confident now right mm-hmm. it's okay if i fuck up even if i fuck up you know webber is going to be okay with it right stuff like this are very very important to inculcate though it will cost you money and time you still have to bear those stuff to be able to be a good delegator mm. right so yeah what i what i've seen is, as well is dude and and this is kind of why i like working with freelancers is that they feel like they're their own boss like i think nobody on the on this planet wants to be an employee right like you can be an employee right but if you have a good boss they make you feel like this is your own little sector and it's your own little business right 
That's the, if you feel like, oh, I got to do approvals, I got to do this check, oh, this person's going to be pissed at me. Like, how are you supposed to be motivated in that structure? So that's kind of been good for us. But I agree, like delegation, it's really cool that you guys have been able to do that. That's something that just takes a long time. So and when I was working for Uber, right, uh, we had this uh, statement that we used to follow, that bunch of things, always be a hustler and stuff like that. But oh, yeah? one of the most important thing that stuck to me is be a owner, not a renter. Right, like whenever something was delegated to me, I would be the owner of that. Right, I'm not doing it because Arman told me to do it. Right, mm-hmm. I'll do it because it's my fucking job to do it. I'm I own that shit. Right, mm-hmm. and that value is what I try to like push out within my team as well. Saying, dude, this is your job. Don't ask me. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. If you're very unsure, sure you can ask me for once, but take the decision yourself. Right? And tell them how to take the decisions. That's pretty much what you have to do. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's so big because you just can't feel like you're some peg in this, this whole you know, game. You have to feel like you actually provide value. Yep. Um, so, man, I, I want to go into two final things before we wrap up here. I want to talk about this business that you're starting. And I kind of want to go into a little points on personal branding. But let, let's start at your business, dude. Uh, you know, talk to us about it because I know you've been a teacher for the longest time in terms of your content, all the kind of stuff you do. Talk, what are you up to, man? All right, so <clears throat> we're building something called as Growth School. Okay, uh, Growth School is a place where we partner with some really top-notch people. We call it the top one percent uh, in the world in terms of being practitioners, and they do the shit uh, to work and build cohort-based courses. Uh, which kind of, you know, gives students or learners all over the world the access to highest level of updated education possible, right? If you think about, I mean, the biggest problem statement was, I love education, but I think education is the biggest problem the country has to solve today. The reason why we say that is education is what failing most of us today, right? At least in India. And I, to be very frank, it's a case with the whole world, right? But India is falling way behind it. While, you know, most of the teachers that we learn from actually don't do stuff themselves. Right? They probably have studied in the same college and right now the professors. So they don't know stuff beyond the book. And most of the stuff that we learn in the college are never actually applied. What we love about the college is the networking. We're making friends, we're meeting new people, right? But the education that we go through, including the most updated MBAs, are most of the times useless, you learn nothing of it, right, directly. So how can we make sure we focus on the top 20%, the Pilatus principle, right, the 80-20 law? How can we make sure that we teach anybody who's interested in a skill, the 20% of the stuff, which is done 80% of the times, and the trainer, the person who teaches is not some random teacher who has who just been studying and teaching, but actually is a guy who's working in a company or is doing exactly what you want to become. You want to become a podcaster? learn from the best, best podcaster in the country, right? That's why Pat Flynn's uh, Smart Passive Income Podcast and his programs do so well because he has proven to be a great podcaster. You don't want to learn from some random dude who has 15 episodes. He knows the tech behind it, but he doesn't know the nuances of it, right? When it comes to YouTube, you'd want to learn from someone who is currently growing today, right? Let's say, when you, let's say you want to learn YouTube, a lot of people will be like, I would like to learn from someone who has 10 million subscribers. Guess what? He's not a good person to teach you. The reason is he got to 10 million over the course of 10 years. What he used to apply back in the day is no more relevant today. And the kind of stuff that he does today is not going to be applicable for you. 
So he's going to become like a random dude who's going to talk about stuff that he knows by looking up on the internet. Who you should learn from is probably the guy who's at 250k today. Because he is growing. He's on his way to become a million in the next couple of years. So you can be part of the journey. So he is a great instructor, right? When it comes to uh, people, people are like, oh, I want to learn ten tennis. I would like to learn from Serena Williams. Guess what? She's not a great teacher. You should learn from a coach, not from her. He is a better person. Right? So this is what I mean by that. Uh, right. Executioners, practitioners who are good at teaching, who come out and teach stuff. So we have programs on UX, which is taught by a guy at Amazon. UI, which is taught by a guy at Swiggy, who's working at Swiggy as a designer. Performance, which is done by ex-Google and guys who actually run millions of dollars of ads. Right? Uh, growth hacking, which I teach because I've done a couple of things there. Public speaking is taught by a guy who's spoken in 27 different countries. Cryptocurrency is taught by a guy who is the OG of crypto, who is the guy who like kind of helps a bunch of start crypto startups. His name is Ajit Khurana, right? Mm -hmm. NFT is taught by a guy who actually is leading in the space on NFT. He sells his arts for crores of rupees. He knows his shit, right? That's what I mean by that, right? Education, uh, when it comes to the real stuff, has to be taught by people who actually do stuff. And also more importantly, right? Education has to be outcome driven. That is, you sitting and learning is just not good enough. You have to do stuff. So most of our programs is very execution driven. That is, we make you do things. The YouTube program says launch your YouTube channel in two months. The public speaking program says become a public, uh, become a stage ready person in four weeks. So you do stuff every week to become better version of yourself. So the end of the program, you're probably 10 times better than what you were before the program started. Right? So it's, it, this is something that I feel is the future of education. And we're kind of building on that. Dude, I, I fucking love that idea, you know, especially because not only are you getting learning from practitioners, like you're saying, but you're doing relevant courses, man, like YouTube, right. podcasts, whatever it is, right? It's relevant skills that people want to actually do now. I remember, you know, when I was in college, I, 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 I took marketing as, as my degree. And you can imagine, dude, we had one class on digital marketing. <laughs> that? I didn't go to college that long ago, dude. Like digital marketing was a huge thing. Like, and, and I went to a pretty good university by standard. And it's like, how the fuck can there only be one class on on digital marketing, dude? That's the whole world night right now, and that's what I that's what I kind of disliked about education. And I know we we have kind of similar stories regarding how we did in school and shit like that. So I think that's that's really awesome, man. And I encourage everyone to go check it out. I by now, if you're listening to it, it's live. Where can they go, Vibov? Uh, they can go to growthschool.io. That's the website. Uh, you probably link it up. So yeah, they could check it out. Definitely. It'll be in the link down below. And just before we wrap up, dude, I wanted to hit this point on personal branding, dude. You know, you know, for the longest time, it's not something that happened overnight with you. Like you said, it's been a long term thing that you've built up. What are the things that get people to resonate with what you post, right? Like what, what is the value that you do, you have to deliver to actually get people to follow you and actually want to, you know, click a like or a share? So the first thing before trying to understand what content people want, you have to understand what is that that excites you personally. Because when you're trying to fit in in a place based on requirement, you can't do that for long. Let's say right now, let's say not a lot of people talk about code. It's an open space. Nobody talks about code. There are very few personal brands who write code. Can I fill that gap? I can't. I mean, I could, I, it won't be myself. I might be able to do that by researching for a couple of months, but then I'll fail. 
right? The first and foremost is understanding who you are as a person and what excites you, what genuinely excites you. Mm-hmm. For me, that's marketing. For me, that's startups. And that's all I talk about. Now, the best part is if you're really good at what you do, people are going to find you. Because the moment, like, that's, that's how algorithms have been built, right? It is built for that ripple effect. You have to feed the algorithm with great content and it will find the audience for you, right? So that's what I would say. Once you have drilled down on what you want to talk about and you have a clear idea of your target audience, create content and see what is that that's working, what is that that doesn't work. For example, I love talking about marketing, but I rarely talk about, hey, when it comes to running ads, this is how you can optimize, blah, blah, blah. People don't like that stuff. Mm. People like stuff on how ad creators are important on a high level. So I create only content based on what I see in terms of data, right? I create a bunch of pieces of content. I see the amount of traction that it gets and the kind of content that gets traction, I model that kind of content going forward. And I learn, I learn Mm. from the audience and that is how you get better. So right now today, when I create content, I look at the topic, I look at the article and I can probably predict that this this article or this post or this video is going to do really well and I am right 80% of the times 70 to 80% of the times so you're absolutely increasing your success rate because you're understanding your audience so really well but you're not creating content uh, just for your audience but you're also creating content that you genuinely like that is what will make sure that you never dry out of content or run out of ideas or you know like feel like it's work for me it's not work for me I'm sleeping, uh, you know, like, for example, today, right, uh, India won the bronze medal. And that is something that excites me like crazy. I had tears in my eyes when I woke up and I saw that, right? Like, you know, those happy tears, I was watching the video. I'm like, damn, we did it, right? And I want to express myself. And I put a post on that. I mean, I didn't really see how it did, but it's fine, right? You put out content and I know for a fact there are a lot of audiences out there who will resonate with the content that you do because they also are people like you. Right. A couple of days back, I created a piece of content on startups, like uh, uh, actually the new payment system that Indian government introduced. People loved it. And that post did like 150,000 reach on LinkedIn. The reason why that happened is because people were giving, getting information from me on a complex mm-hmm. topic, which was broken down in a very, very simple way. Mm-hmm. And on top of that was told in form of story. So everybody loves stories. So People understood a very complex subject in a very easy way. And that's essentially why people follow me. I know that for now. So right now, my job is to just break complicated things in a much easier way, in a way that I would like to read. Because I also don't like complicated stuff. I like reading like plain vanilla stuff. And that's what I write content. So find your audience, find your type, and just keep creating content. And don't expect things to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It took me, I mean... I'm still, I'm not still even, not even close, right? I'm still trying to get there. But hey, 400,000 followers better than 40,000 followers, which was five, three right. years back, right? So yeah, progress. Is I, I love that, man. It, it, it's so true. Finding the content that works for you. And I, you know, I think this is a great place to wrap up because it's fucking raining a shit ton right now. And I'm very scared my electricity is going to go off any moment. So Vibhav, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. I really enjoyed this conversation, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And I wish you luck. Of course, anytime. And for the listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. See you all in the next one. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Faybuv, and I'm pretty sure you did because you're still around. And if you didn't and you're still here, that's a little bit weird on your part. But assuming you liked it, please do smash that follow button. I know it's a generic ask, but it really does help your boy out. And my unsolicited, unasked for advice for this week is, dude, if you have a nickname, you can do one of two things. Either you make it your official name, or you get rid of it. Because seriously, nobody likes your nickname. And, and why do you get two nicknames? You're really not that special. You gotta trust me here. Get rid of that nickname, Becky. And that is it, dude and dudettes. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. I love you. And I will see you all in the next one. We're bringing you a lot more cool guests soon. We're changing up the structure a little bit. It's very exciting. And I will see you later.